Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. Sorry, that was a sort of hello you'd say if you found a stranger standing in your garden. So, um... Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I've made myself laugh now. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is a podcast where I ask people to tell me the five things from their life that they'd like to have in a time capsule. They can pick anything they want, but they must pick four things that they cherish or would like to have again, and they also pick one thing they'd like to bury in the ground and forget. My special guest in this episode, and this is a first for my time capsule, is Amanda Wakeley, who is one of the UK's top fashion designers, having designed for Harvey Nichols and clients like Elizabeth Hurley, Jennifer Lopez and Queen Rainier of Jordan, amongst many other celebrity clients. Amanda started working in fashion design in the United States, following a career in modelling. Something I've always fancied myself, but actually I'm useless at working with clay. She started working for Go Silk in New York, and then she founded her own salon in London in 1990. She's best known for her simple but stylish designs, especially her cashmere jumpers. More of that later. Amanda was a great influence on Princess Diana when she was developing her working wardrobe in the early 90s, providing her with many of her most feminine suits, including the bottle green executive suit. Remember that one? You're the one she wore when she resigned from public life in 1993. As well as her fashion activities, Amanda has co-chaired the Committee of Fashion Targets Breast Cancer Appeal since 1996, and she actively supports many other charities, including the international organisation Women for Women. Her own podcast, Style DNA, where she talks to a different guest each week and gets them to reveal their own style DNA, hence the title, has had many interesting and well-known guests, including Jasmine LeBong, Elaine Page, James Blunt and Sophie Ellis-Bexter. But what would Amanda choose from her life to have in her time capsule? And what's the one thing she'd like to forget by burying it in the ground and never thinking of it again? Well, here's your chance to find out as we listen to Amanda Wakeley's time capsule. 
I have to apologise because obviously if I were on your podcast, which is Style DNA, which is very good, I listened to Sophie Ellis Bexter. Yes. I know Sophie's mum well. Right. I've worked with her a lot, Janet, over the years. And Sophie also occasionally gets me free tickets for things, so bless her for that. She she's is, a darling. She's a breath of fresh air too, isn't ah. she? She really is. She's amazing. She's a, one of those examples of that thing where people say, you know, grow up. She's, she's been grown up, but she's full of youth. Absolutely. And I don't expect that to change in her at all. No. I think she's just... And I, and I actually, I've got this sort of slight theory about life that we're sort of born a certain way. Sometimes I look at children and I think, you're like a little old man. <laughs> or you're like a little old woman. I sincerely hope I feel 35 for the rest of my life. Mm. That's what I am in my head. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know. It's a lovely place to be. Until I walk past a shop window and then I go, oh, who's that? Old? Oh, no, it's yeah, me. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite alarming, that, isn't it? It's like, oh, shit, is that really what uh, I look like? No, go back to your head, I say. Go right uh, straight yeah. back there. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, I, I have let you down in the style council area. Not at all. You're wearing well, a hoodie. I think you're looking very cool. It's cool then. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'll accept cool. <laughs> yes. You know, I was tempted. Shall I go and wear a lovely designer suit or something, you know, and just something really No, crisp? stop it. No. Stop it. Do you no. got, I always say we've got to feel ourselves. Yeah. So she absolutely wrapped up in cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, well, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about the things you've chosen to put into a time capsule. It's lovely of you to do this. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. It's, it's actually really lovely to sometimes stand back and think about things that you wouldn't normally think about. I hope that's the idea of the programme, yeah. Mm. The idea of this mm. podcast is that it takes you to places you wouldn't normally go. Yeah. And actually, because I'm asking mostly for you to put in things that you love from your past, it's nice to visit them. It really is. And I, I do a lot of my thinking first thing in the morning when I'm walking my dog. So, you know, before I prepared the notes on what I'd put into my time capsule, I was just sort of thinking through all those different things that are really important to me. And it was just a lovely indulgent process of going down memory lane. Well, let's explore it then. Let's go through your list and see what you've chosen and uh, see what that reveals to us. Righty-ho. Okay, what's your first thing? So the first thing I've put in my time capsule is my paternal grandfather's silver identity bracelet from World War II. Oh, and it's it's something that's really, really precious to me. When my father died, my bro two brothers and I literally went, you know, one, two, three in terms of possessions. And, mm. you know, it was quite sweet. My father had two lovely Rolexes. And so both my older brothers chose one of those, which is absolutely right. Mm. And then Here's me picking up this dinky little silver identity bracelet with Cecil Wakeley on it, C of E, HMS Garth Castle. And it just meant so much to me, to the extent that to this day, if I've got a tricky moment or just want a little bit of reassurance, I pop it on. Mm. And I know he's my guardian angel or one of them. I know he's with me and 
He was such a joyous grandfather. He was an incredible man. He was a selfless, brilliant surgeon. He was a surgeon rear admiral on HMS Garth Castle in World War II. Mm. And he, he went through life with such joy. He literally spread happiness and positivity. He was a giant of a man. And he would come up with with my grandmother for the weekend to visit us all. And I am not joking, we would crawl into his bed at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. (laughs) And I remember I used to lie on his belly, he has big flannel pyjamas on, and at 5 a.m. he would make up stories about sausage and Susan and I was, we were just taken off into another world and he'd probably had very little sleep all week mm. and we were invading his space at 5am on a Saturday morning and he was joyfully entertaining his grandchildren. Isn't it brilliant that somebody who clearly, to attain what he did and to get where he got, was incredibly serious about what he did and would be quite used to people treating him as important. Oh, completely. And yet suddenly in that situation, he'd lost all of that. That's not yeah. who he was. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, he was actually knighted for his services to medicine and, and also what he did during the war. Mm. But he was, he was one of those men and my, actually my late brother followed him in that and my father, all three of them were medics and they were all three always they knew the name of the most junior person on the ward the cleaners the they knew their families names mm. and it's a wonderful wonderful example to me of how important the little things in life are how important it is to smile and say good morning and look people in the eye and really want to know how they are rather mm. than that slightly sort of shallow uh, how you doing so i feel very very lucky to have had this incredible man mm. in my life and he always had time for us yes and others it would seem It's odd, isn't it? Particularly at the moment when we're going through this process where you've got doctors striking, junior doctors striking. Yeah. And some people saying, well, they're only interested in the money. They're being greedy. And you sort of think, well, I can't imagine that anybody would go through all that training, all that work and all that dedication to get to the point where they then continue to train for years and years. And finally, after about 17 years from the beginning to the point where you actually really start to earn what other people would regard as being a decent wage. And uh, that, to me, is not somebody who's money-grabbing. Not at all. It's an extraordinary vocation, mm-hmm. and it has been an honour to witness it firsthand. And some of the when my father died, some of the letters we got from people we didn't even know, but mm-hmm. saying, your father saved my life, or, you know, he saved my marriage. So, you know, in a time when he was very much a general surgeon, and before we all got so departmentalized and sort of, I suppose, really politically correct, Mm. you know, he would see patients that were troubled and really offer them life advice as well as medical advice and and I appreciate why things have changed and all the rest of it but it was really lovely that these people came out of the woodwork and bothered to put pen to paper 
when he died to say how much he'd impacted their lives. Yes. So he was quite old then when he was in the Second World War. Oh, sorry, that I went from my grandfather to my father then. Ah, right. Yes, my grandfather was in the Second World War. But did he serve on, on board that ship? He did, yes. Wow. I, I, I so wish he was around now because I would love to ask him so many questions and it just mm. makes you think, actually, talk to your loved ones, you know, make sure that you ask them all those questions. Yes. Because before you know it, they're gone. Yes, and then you'll never know the answer. Yeah. No. yeah. Well, what a lovely simple thing to have, though, that silver bracelet with his name on. Yes, it's it's really beautiful and really evocative. Mm. Well, I should definitely put it into the time capsule as your first thing. That's a lovely thing to have and lovely to hear about your grandfather and your father, both extraordinary men. Thank you. You're very welcome. OK, let's move on to the second thing, see what that is. The second thing... A photo album mm. of a trip that Hugh, my partner, and I took last November to go ski mountaineering in Antarctica. Oh my God. And <laughs> yeah, and it was the trip of a lifetime. It was an extraordinary experience. And it really sort of came about chance meeting with some friends. We have a home in Switzerland and we were happened to be in the mountains for a couple of days in the summer two years ago and realised that great friends of ours were there at the same time. We had dinner and they, you know, what are you up to? We have just booked the trip of a lifetime. We're off to go ski mountaineering in Antarctica. You guys should come. <laughs> and, you know, Hugh and I had always said, that we really wanted to go to Antarctica. But the idea of being on a ship and eating too much and, mm -hmm. you know, getting on land once for an hour a day to see the penguins or whatever was wonderful. Mm. But when we had this opportunity to go on a ship, so cruise down to Antarctica from Ushuaia in southern tip of Argentina, mm. and then once there... We're avid ski tourers, which means that you climb mountains and then ski down them. And we had this opportunity to join this trip and we just looked at each other and I, I know it was a sort of a synchronistic, we've got to do that. Mm. So Hugh, you know, it was an important year for us last year and Hugh booked us into a lovely cabin on this explorer ship and off we went and it was a hardcore trip. Yeah, that's not luxury. That's not a luxury cruise, is it? No, no. you're so right. As, as I was packing, Hugh looked at my luggage and he said... We're not going on a holiday. We're going on an expedition. So you better halve what you've got in <laughs> yes. there. The cocktail dresses can go back in the wardrobe. No, it wasn't even cocktail dresses, but there was just probably there was probably an excess of cashmere. Let's put it that way. And we're along with all the technical kit, and it you know the kit list was quite intimidating. I must admit, it was like an ice axe, and I went, I have never used an ice axe in my life, and I really hope I'm not going to need it on this trip. But crampons and, you know, all sorts of kit, um, which was needed and all for safety reasons. But yes, every day we would get up early. They would send, it was 100 ski mountaineers on board and then 26 of the world's best ski guides. Wow. So we were broken down into groups of four with a ski guide 
And they would send out scouts first thing in the morning to establish landing sites because the ship would move every night. And that sometimes meant them literally carving into the snow a sort of staircase for us to get onto the mountain. (laughs) And then we would get roped up, have our skins on our skis, and we would start trekking up the mountain. And one day we, I think we climbed about 1,200 metres vertical. But at the top, you could see the view was 360. It was just extraordinary. Mm. And then you ski back down in varied conditions. But, you know, you're on, you might be on a glacier, so there might be big crevasses around. You've got to be very, very careful for safety purposes. Even with a great deal of planning, it's still quite an adventure, isn't it? I mean, you are taking a risk. It was quite gritty, I must Mm. admit, but it was just such an extraordinary experience. And to be in that part of the world that the light is different, the clarity, the depth of field, the nature, you ski down to the water's edge and then before you know it, you've got penguins popping up (laughs) and literally three feet away from you just looking at you like, oh, Okay, and then just, but you know, getting on with their job. So to be part of nature at its rawest mm. and most exquisite, but actually also quite edgy. You know, we were um, in the Zodiac going ashore the first day and there was an iceberg that we were passing and it literally split in two in front of us. Wow. And that can cause a bit of a tidal wave. That can cause the Zodiacs to be flipped over. And so you're, you're constantly reminded that this is an incredible privilege to be in this part of the world, mm. but it's not for the faint-hearted. No. You've got to be fully aware all the time. Mm. But also, I should imagine, aware of its fragility. Absolutely, although the South Pole is faring much better than the North Pole. Mm-hmm. But yes, everyone was unbelievably respectful of the environment. You know, we all had our... We literally dipped our boots into a special disinfectant liquid before Mm. we got off the ship. No one left anything, human or otherwise, on the mountain, Mm. nothing. And you're very aware that you get off the Zodiac and you might be standing on a stone that no human being has ever stood on before. That's quite, it's quite awesome. Yeah. In the true sense of the word. Mm. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, so I created, with some help, admittedly, because as you can tell, I'm not the techiest person on the planet, (laughs) but this photo album of our experience. And I'm a big believer that photos, they're they're one of my most precious possessions, actually, because they they just tell stories Mm. of memories. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, let's take that album then. Let's take that album and tuck it in there with your grandfather's silver bracelet. So that's two things. Okay, on to number three. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm off to change my outfit. So while I'm in the changing room, let's take a short ad break, shall we? See you after these messages. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. What do you think? Not too tight? No. Does chiffon suit me, though? I don't know. Of course, if you'd rather not give me the chance to change outfits in the middle of the podcast, then why not subscribe to Acast Plus and get this podcast ad-free. Details in the description of this episode. In the meantime, let's get back to Amanda Wakely and find out what else she'd like to put in her time capsule. I selected, and I don't know how well this is going to travel, but hey-ho, um... <laughs> I love English roses mm. and there's a particular one by David Austin called Gentle Hermione. Right. And it has the most exquisite fragrance. What colour is it? It's a sort of dusty pink white. Ah. It's got just a hint of pink. I, I might get emotional talking about this one. So when my my mother's always had a passion for gardening and she's, you know, she's a brilliant, green-fingered lady. And um, my brother, my middle brother had just been diagnosed with a brain tumour and I was with my mother to take her down to see him and just, you know, for the first time. And it was like, what should we take? And these gentle Hermione had just come out in her garden and I said, you know, let's let's take him some roses. Mm. And honestly, his reaction to those roses, he loved those roses, absolutely loved the fragrance of them. I mean, at that stage, he had not deteriorated that much, but you could, when I think back on it, I could see that certain senses were being heightened while others were being diminished yes. by the tumour. And certainly his sense of smell was, and I think also probably being a medic, often their sense of smells are very, very intense. Mm. And because I know that was the case with my father. But I, I could tell that it meant the world to him. And then my, my mother went on and and actually ordered them a couple of rose bushes, mm. which my sister-in-law still has in, in the garden. But so it has a, a lot of meaning to us, that rose, because it was such a hideous day to be together sharing this news as a family. And yet this beauty of nature and the fragility of it and the power of fragrance was very special. Yes. And it's always very difficult, those things, isn't it? Because uh, you don't really know how to behave. But actually to have your brother 
be so excited by this thing, to be so enthralled by the scent. Mm. Mm. You're right about people in the medical profession having a heightened sense of smell, I think. Yeah. That sort of skill, which I suppose yeah. is a developed skill, isn't it? It must be. I, I wonder if it is developed or is just part of what makes someone want to be a medic. Right. Yeah. Just and it, it's probably completely intuitive. I, it's probably not a conscious decision, but it's you know if you're good at something mm. intuitively, maybe that's part of your driving force or your intuition to take you down a certain path. Yes. I don't know. What a beautiful name, Gentle Hermione. I, it's really and it's a stunning rose. Mm. It is really really beautiful and just those lovely overblown English roses that are just so fragile mm. when you pick them, but just gorgeous. Yes. Gentle Hermione, is a, she's the wife of uh, Leontes in A Winter's Tale. Yes. Hermione. Yes, you're yes. right. I only know that because as a student, I was cast in the part of Autolycus. I learnt it and then they cancelled it. So oh. I've learned that part, but I've never performed it. <laughs> can you still can you still quote any of the lines? And all I know is that he's the character that uh, Exeunt pursued by a bear. So God, you've got a good memory. Well, when the direct, I remember it because when the director asked me, have you read the bit about pursued by a bear? I said, a bear what? That <laughs> <laughs> may have been the thing that got me the part. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Love that. Uh, was the outcome, I, I don't know whether I should ask you whether the outcome for your brother was um, positive or not. No, oh, I mean, like, you know, by the time a lot of these brain tumours are diagnosed, they're stage four. Um, oh. But we had 15 months when we had been given six. And I, <clears throat> I truly believe that it was his determination and the love that he received from his family and the encouragement on mm. a daily basis and the patience and the nurturing that that gave him that bit of extra time but yes. but it's extraordinary i knew nothing about brain tumors before this happened to our family and it's just devastating how common they are mm. i mean really truly devastating i you know it it surprised me how often I mention it just in passing and how often someone will say, oh, my God, my cousin, my yeah. mother, my great friend's son or whatever. It's terrifying. So I think... Yes, my agent. I lost my first agent who was a, oh no. a very dear friend. And uh, yeah. you know, we were both young. He was very young. So it's, it's yeah. awful, isn't it? It is. And it's it just shows you, I mean, Charlie had lived a really healthy life, you know, mm -hmm. eaten well, exercised well, wasn't overweight, probably quite stressy, but, you know, who who knows? But it just, to me, it just says cancer can be a complete and utter lottery. Yes. But time is a strange thing, you know. I mean, uh, I'm sure that those 15 months would have seemed like an eternity because of the intensity of it. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And yet I was talking to my nephew two days ago and we're coming up to the anniversary, two-year anniversary, and suddenly it all feels very real again and very raw mm. and as though it was yesterday. And thank God, in a way, it wasn't yesterday yes. because, it, you know, it's it's a just a hideous thing for everyone, mm. most of all for Charlie. And, you know, my sort of promise to myself in his memory is 
to wake up every morning and realise that I get to be here today and to make the most of every single day and to live my life to the full Mm. and try to affect, positively affect people around me in a good and positive way. Lovely. So so that's my my tribute to Charlie. Brilliant. Because that's how he lived his life. Yes. Like they say, wake up and smell the roses. Really wake up and smell the roses, thank you, because I don't think, I certainly didn't live as consciously before he died Mm -hmm. as I do now. Yes. And so that's a blessing. God, you know, sort of lessons to younger self, but, you know. It's a tough way to learn it, isn't it? But in fact, maybe it is one of the blessings of it, one of the positives that can be taken from it, is that we go on having learnt something from it. Yeah, there are always silver linings Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. And I think, you know, just look for the silver linings, and there have been many in this process and this journey. Lovely. When I'm going to put that beautiful, gentle Hermione, (laughs) pink rose with a beautiful scent. Now, people will open the time capsule and go, what is that gorgeous smell? Oh, gorgeous. I can't wait for them to come out. (laughs) Okay, we've only got two more left. We've got one more that you would like to keep and one you'd like to put in there and forget. Okay, so my final one is a beautiful, chunky Amanda Wakely cashmere sweater. (laughs) To keep me cosy, it always makes you feel good. Which is a fine example of how you design for what you like. Well, I I always thought in the creative process, if I feel passionate about something, I hope and believe that many other women will too. Mm. And I think there's so much beauty about cashmere, the way that it is created and knitted and finished And then I always say that cashmere should last a lifetime. If you look after it, it will look after you. Mm. And I think the oldest piece of cashmere I have in my wardrobe, I am not joking, is 40 years old. Don't ask me what that makes me, but... um, (laughs) Was it your (laughs) mum's? No. (laughs) Um, But it is a prime example of... If you look after something, and I think, yes, I had had a brand for 30 years and, you know, perhaps guilty of creating too many collections and, you know, all those things that we're now a lot more conscious of. And, and for me, it's about buying less, buying better, buy the best you can afford and really, really look after your things. Mm. And to the extent that, yes, the pesky moths do sometimes emerge, but actually I've, I've been having quite a lot of fun on social media showing how people how to repair their cashmere or hide the moth hole or celebrate it even. Mm. And, you know, just because something has got a moth hole in it doesn't mean you have to relegate it to the, no, no. To the bin. No. And so, yes, cashmere is, is sort of very special to me. I bet, yeah. And also, I've, I think I learnt my... Probably the first sensory memory I have is of texture, like beautiful texture, a, a sheepskin rug. Mm. And I must have been tiny, and it was by the fire at home, this lovely sheepskin rug. And I just remember thinking... God, that feels so good, (laughs) lying on it by the fire. And then it just sort of 
lit up, you know, my, my senses. So did you have a desire to go into designing and fashion design when you were very young or, or did that come no, later? No, that came later, but I made clothes from when I was tiny oh. and I would cobble things together mm. just without any real knowledge of what I was doing. I just did it mm-hmm. just innately, intuitively. But texture in water, you know, I was always mixing textures you know, satin with crepe and wool and a velvet trim or whatever it was. I loved the mixing of textures. And so that then led me to my iconic cashmere sweater that the sleeves are lined in silk. And Mm. so you roll the sleeves back and, you know, you've got this lovely silk contrast to the cashmere. Yes, I've seen them. I've never bought my wife one. But I might do. Well, it might be a bit late now, but anyhow, (laughs) you might have to do it vintage. I've never been adverse to buying second-hand clothes. Nor me. And I love the whole circularity. I was doing a big turnout, spring clean, and pulled together a huge bag of pieces to go to the Trinity Hospice Mm. because I just love the whole circularity of someone else's. I bought the most beautiful man's dinner jacket the other day. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, it must have been a bespoke one. Yeah. And, you know, with this trend for very oversized jackets, and I look at it, the inside is as beautiful as the outside. It's, you know, silk file lapels, absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. If I bought the designer version, it would have been a silly amount of money. Yeah. For good reason, but actually the joy of the hunt and the find is (laughs) huge. And then knowing that your money is going back into doing good things. Yes, yeah. I found the most fantastic 1960s crombie the other day. (gasps) I know. It was perfect. Obviously been hanging in a cupboard for years and years. It's absolutely perfect. It fits me brilliantly. So I'm delighted. It's funny. I often think that the men's second hand is better than the women's. <laughs> because you may be right. somehow, you know, some of those men's clothes are just better made. And men's shirts. Look, I'm wearing a, a man's denim shirt right now. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. So that's a good old charity shop find. <laughs> you Love have, it. You're going to talk yourself out of business. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I prefer them. I prefer them worn in for you. Yeah. You know, yes. sometimes shirts, second-hand shirts are just brilliant. Oh, you're very right. I absolutely <laughs> buy really good quality shirts, but always from second-hand shops. Yeah. You find fantastic. I live in Tunbridge Wells. You can imagine the amount of city men who've had a shirt for six months and have given it in, and you go, that, I'll have that. Thank you very much. Have that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have dressed some extraordinary people in your career. It's amazing. I have been lucky enough to dress some extraordinary women, but I've always said also that actually seeing someone come out of the changing room feeling transformed, Mm -hmm. that's what makes me feel really good. Yes, I'm sure. And also knowing that people have great nostalgia for the brand. They've had some very happy moments wearing Amanda Wakely, whether it's their wedding day or their daughter's wedding or their 18th birthday party dress. There's a lot of lovely nostalgia connected to it. That's exactly what Elaine Page says on your podcast. She has many happy memories of chasing you all around London and buying things from you. Yeah. She was one of my 
earliest, earliest customers. And when I was just doing custom, really, mm. bespoke. And yes, I mean, she was such fun. We had a lot of giggles and she's got that infectious laugh. Oh, she's absolutely fabulous. I auditioned for her a long time ago to play alongside her in Anything Goes in the West End. Oh. I'm afraid I came second. Oh, no. Yes, John Barrowman got it. But there you are. You can't win them all. Can't win them I had all. a fantastic time auditioning with her. Yeah. She was such yeah. fun. And every time yes. I've seen her since, she makes me laugh and smile. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm no wonder she loves your stuff. We're going to definitely put that Amanda Wakely cashmere sweater in. Great. <laughs> okay. So now we face the thing that you want to get rid of from your life. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of it totally, but I just sort of... It's something I ignore. So I've said it's my birth certificate. (laughs) And (laughs) so so for me, age is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. And I really feel strongly you can wire your brain either negatively or positively in terms of age. Mm. And I'm not in denial. I'm really proud of my age, but it's not something I celebrate. I never celebrate a birthday particularly. Right. A, because I hate being that sort of centre of attention. Look at me, you know, (laughs) this is my birthday. Don't I look good for my age or put me on a pedestal, whatever. (laughs) I hate that. But also, I don't, As I said earlier, I really don't feel my age. And so if I start thinking my age all the time and thinking, oh, I've probably only got X years left, whatever, whatever, then that becomes a reality. Mm. And if I continue to really look after myself, nurture myself, exercise and all of those things, and in my head feel like I'm somewhere in my 30s, probably behave like I am too in terms of (laughs) sport that I do, then I think, well, you know, maybe the universe will smile on me and allow me to remain that age. Yes, and forget it anyway and just go, oh, oh, we forgot about that. Oh, yeah, no, she's only 35. Fantastic. (laughs) And for that reason, you know, I love having friends of all different ages too. Older, younger. One of the blessings of your profession, I think, would be that you would mix with all sorts of ages. Yes, and but I always have done personally too. Right. And I'm really, I love the relationship, relationships I have with my niece and my nephews. Mm-hmm. Absolutely cherish that. And I love being around younger people and hearing their attitude towards whether it's you know, the world, wokeness, whatever it is. And I just think it's really important to not get stuck in a rut of our age group. Yes, it can be a sign of growing old when you think that actually everybody should listen to you and you're the only one with anything of interest to say. Yeah, and then you also realise that actually I've learnt a lot and that's really lovely Mm. to be able to just gently share Mm-hmm. without standing on a soapbox. But I'm actually looking at doing um, the Financial Times do this non-executive diploma, being a non-executive director. Mm. And it just feels like, gosh, that would really hold my toes to the fire going back to school. Yeah. And actually, I would really love to open up in this new chapter to doing some non-executive directorships. Mm. Um, so... 
yes, I don't know how I got onto that, but that's <laughs> that's about challenging myself. No, absolutely. Um, and not just sort of sitting back and thinking, okay, well, that's what I do. Well, of course, one of the ways that people grow old is they say, oh, no, I can't do that anymore. Oh, no, I don't understand that. Well, it's beyond me that I'll never understand that. And, and letting things pass them by. That... You know, it's, I love seeing my 90-year-old mother on her iPad, mm. popping around it really efficiently. And, you know, I'm a big believer in you don't use it, you lose it. So yeah. health and fitness and staying active and mobile and stretched and all of that, but also exercising our brains. Yes. Yes, so I'm slightly intimidated about this course that I'm about to go on, but do you know what? Holding my toes to the fire and going for it, I, it's exciting too. Yes, I have no doubt you'll do it brilliantly. And then you'll oh. be able to bring all that experience to uh, the boards of several companies, I should imagine, and they'll be well, grateful for it. Let's hope. Let's hope I don't go through the whole process and then <laughs> no one wants me. But anyhow, you know, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have imposter syndrome, would we? <laughs> no, no, that's very true. We all feel that way. But Amanda, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing these things with me. Bless you for being on my time capsule. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. What a pleasure to go on this journey down memory lane. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Amanda Wakeley. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed yourself, and if you did, what have you been doing whilst listening? Please subscribe, rate, and maybe even review the podcast. Yes, Apple Podcasts and some others actually give you the chance to write a review of the show so that others can discover what listeners really think. Hopefully, you'll let them know that you had a jolly time if you have a spare 10 minutes. Or just click on five stars before you move on. That would be great. Thanks. You can follow or befriend me and my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can see what we've been up to, what we're doing as you tweet, and what we're about to do. Yes, it's all revealing. Search Mike Fenton Stevens or My Time Capsule. You can download this lovely theme tune. There it is on Spotify. It was written by Pass the Peas Music. Surely a name that once heard is never forgotten. Or maybe not. That's why I have to tell you at the end of every episode. You really do have a terrible memory, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you another thing. You really do have a terrible memory. Oh, hang on a minute. Anyway, this was a What's-His-Name production for a thingy. Uh, produced by John Fenton Stevens. Yes, who could forget that name? We'll be back soon with more things to put in a time capsule, but for now, I'm off to get myself ready for the Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> yes, Amanda's taking me. Apparently, they've covered the Eiffel Tower in camouflage material. Yeah, interesting idea, but personally, I don't see the attraction. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.